This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 60, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today we're talking archery technique and form with bow hunting fiend, Greg Litzinger. So stay tuned. All right, all right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, got a cool show today, bringing back the DIY report, of course. This is episode number two with Greg Litzinger talking all things archery. And today we're focusing on form and technique. You know, how many of us hit the archery range during the off season or during the season, whatever the case might be, and are looking to kind of up our game for the upcoming hunting season and you know, I think a lot of times we get into bad habits, of course, uh, which kind of then hold true as we get into those tense moments or those moments of truth whenever, you know, all your practice should, should kind of pay off. And I don't want to see you go on autopilot because there's definitely a mental component to shooting that you always want to kind of stay mindful in, in that moment to make sure you're executing your shot. But it needs to become second nature toward to a degree to where you're not built with all that anxiety. And um, when you build good habits, you know, in the off season, those things kind of translate to the uh, to the hunting season. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is just what are some of those things that, you know, places where people make small mistakes that could cost you big time. And that's what we're talking to, uh, to Greg about today. Uh, but before we kind of jump into all that, Let's take a quick second to talk about our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty, uh, although you probably won't need it because those things will take a serious beating. And right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your wicked purchase. 
We are also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek camera is a byproduct of all the consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus Truck Cameras has to offer, but just can't fit a $200 uh, camera in their budget, and that's okay. A budget-friendly camera backed with the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek comes in at $145. It has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, which is kick-ass and rugged. Same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service policies. You won't find guys or a company that's more on top of taking care of their customers than these guys. A 0.7-second trigger speed, photo, video, time-lapse, hybrid modes, all the things you know and love about the Exodus cameras. And then, of course, a single-line backlit LED display for easy setup. And you also get approximately about 20,000 images on a set of lithium batteries, which is which is kick-ass. I absolutely take advantage of that with my cameras being... Roughly, usually about three hours away from where I live. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Exodus Trail Cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Or if you happen to be on the Truth From The Stand website, you can hit the partners page at truthfromthestand.com and get to them as well. If you like what you see, uh, you can save yourself $20, $20 and use the promo code TRUTH at checkout. We're also brought to you by Tecamani Seed. Everything is bigger in Texas. No matter if you're in the South, Midwest, or the Northeast, Tecamani has your food plot seed needs covered. Visit tecamani.com and check out their product selector tool to ha- help pick the right seed for your needs. Use promo code TRUTH at checkout and save yourself 20%. Last, but definitely not least, we're also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, you'll enjoy smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com, promo code TRUTH, save yourself 20% cash. With that said, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Greg and talk a little archery form and technique. All right, folks, we are live, and you're listening to part two of the DIY Report mini-series with Greg Litzinger, and today we are talking about technique, the all-troublesome, helpful, mm-hmm. sometimes damning yes. technique that could be the make-or-break of your, of your archery techniques. shot. Yeah, yeah. So how's it going, my man? Good, man. Good. As, as you take a drink of water, I figure I would interrupt you. Maybe you'll choke on it. Yeah. <laughs> technique. That's not how you drink water. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your cup to lip technique. Yeah. I, I feel like you didn't hit your anchor yeah, point. Exactly. You know, some like pinky out, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Too much pressure. I got too much pressure. Too much pressure. So technique is one of those things where, you know, at least in, in my opinion, it's everyone kind of has their own approach. Like you, I'm sure you've seen this, but it's like, I've seen guys, it's almost like anything, anything, right. It's like, whether it's a golfer or whether it's a, a guy, a pitcher or whatever, there's a, there's a right way to do things textbook wise. And there's like a wrong way. Right. But how many guys have we seen, you know, like a golfer whose golf swing just looks horrible, but the dude's winning PGA tournaments. Right. And there's, I've seen guys and I'm sure you have too, when you go to the range or when you go to a shoot or whatever, where you're looking at him going like, what the F is that guy doing? And then he just laser intends all day. You know what I mean? But it works for him and he's figured out how to do it and be consistent, which I think is the most important part. But there are some do's and don'ts, right? Like some things like you're going to F yourself pretty good if you do these things. And if you do these things, you're going to give yourself a sporting chance to to, to be exactly. accurate and be consistent. So the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is hand position and and in, in, in the form of your hand position and how that kind of plays into like your, your overall shot. So I guess give me some like rundowns on, you know, like your grip and how you should grip the bow and, and what that does for you. For me, disclaimer, this is just my observation, not set in stone. I'm right. No professional archer, engineer, designer, just a guy like shoot bows. Likes to shoot bows, but have also has has had coaching. Yes, and true. has shot plenty of 
competitive yeah, tournaments. And I've so won forth. a few here and there. Yeah, you, you, you want to, <laughs> as, I, as I pat my own back, yeah, yeah you won a, a great tournament last yeah. year. Yeah, you State, know, Jersey State. Yeah, so, but anyway, so, so form, like from your perspective, your humble opinion. Grip is user-specific, but there is basic guidelines. Um, if you were to pretty much take your hand and look at your, if you were to bend your wrist back, I guess, your fingers. So turn palm up. Palm up, you know. And if you look where, it's hard to see on a podcast, but there's, you have your lifeline and then you got your your, your thumb. But You've got real hippie right there. Yeah. Your yeah lifeline. How, how's your yeah. love line oh, look, man? How's yours looking, yeah, man? Look yeah. People but, just turned off the podcast yeah. just now. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much. A good way to to interpret grip is I call it you know people call it six shooter I call it crab clawing. If you take your index finger and your thumb and make an L, like a loser, and curl the rest of your fingers so they touch lightly touch your palm, and you go and you grab your bow, grab your grip of your bow. What this fingers does on the side of your uh, on your palm will actually lay on the side of your grip, and your knuckles should form some forty five degree angle. And you're let it just be nice and loose. Too many people want to death grip it. We're not shaking hands. We're not. It's it's a delicate, you know, pretty much like holding an egg. Too much pressure breaks. Not enough pressure falls down. Right. You know. So if you were to curl your fingers and make that L crab claw it, six shooter. There's a million different things. And just lightly touch the grip. And if you were to shoot ten or fifteen arrows, you know, really, you know, good shots. Look at your hand. There should be a good defined outline of the grip. In your hand, <laughs> if it's muddled here and there, you know there's no defined edges of your grip. That means you're gripping your bow, you know, different each time, and that's going to lead to inconsistencies, left, rights, ups, downs. So you could be real. Not a lot of people are aware of, or aware of what the grip is doing in their palm. You know, so I, after I take 15, 20 shots, I can actually see a defined, you know, left and right of the grip. Right. Um, and some grips are better than. And others for some people, like I said, it's, we, were, we were talking about earlier on the other podcast there, it's user-specific, and everyone grips the bow a little bit differently, and it's, you know, try a couple different bows that fit your hand. You can get any grip to work. Some grips will just work better than others. Right. Um, so it's just being aware of what you're doing, how you grip the bow nice and light, and just paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Be self-aware of how you're placing the grip. You know, be, become a machine. You know, set set the grip, set your hand to grip, and do it the same each time. And as you were to, you know, set your release on, set the grip, keep tension in the grip as you come up. A lot of guys will set the grip, and then they raise their bow up. And if you naturally, when if you take your hand and it just wants to come up, they're going to shake somebody's hand. Mm-hmm. That's bad because you set the grip good, and as you lift the bow up, your hands you you know, turn it. Yes, and that's disastrous. Right, because you want your elbow out, right? Yes. So that's like the idea of like whenever you kind of, what I try to do is I try to, like, when you bend your hand, you know, like when you close your hand, it makes that that love line, as you so yes. poetically pointed yes. out. Where that kind of comes together, it's like there's a natural kind of, like, divot yes. or groove in your hand. I almost try to set, like, my 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 uh, my grip and my bow doesn't have an edge necessarily. It's more of yes. a rounded. But I try to set, like, what would be considered the edge of that grip. I try to set it right in the middle of that divot every time because yes. I know when I do that, my arm, my elbow is going to stay out, and I'm going to keep that crab claw yeah. kind of kind of position. Yeah. Now, do you recommend? I've heard 
some people talk about, and I'm kind of going through this now as you kind of see my fashionable brace that I have on my (laughs) my old man elbow, um, struggling with a little bit of tennis elbow. And I've heard some people say that to help with that, and I know this isn't like specific to form in terms of your shot, but I've heard people say that you should grip your bow like as you're pulling back to tighten these muscles to engage those tendons when you pull back and then go ahead and loosen it to get into your grip to, to shoot or whatever. Because opening your hand and allowing all that pressure of your bow to draw back to hit those tendons and muscles that are relaxed is what can cause you some problems. So I don't know if you've heard anything related to never that. Never heard that. Never heard that. Like, I might have just totally made that up right now. Hey, high five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I actually I, I Google boxed it. Yes. Um, only because my elbow has been giving me problems, and I was like, "Is there anything that I can no, do so to keep it call, from?" You don't call your buddy who's been shooting a bow a long time and stuff like well, that. Well, I didn't want to bother you because you know, I figured you'd probably out winning another yeah. tournament or something. You know, <laughs> doing important shit yeah. <laughs> instead of talking to me. Yeah, digging up my septic system. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So once you kind of have your grip in place, right? Because you're one thing you're talking about there is having a consistent place to grip, yes. right? And yeah. so the other piece of that too then becomes like your consistent anchor points. Yes. So then let, let's move from the grip now to like now setting your your anchor points beyond that. You come, you know, set set the grip. You come up and you and you draw. And archery is about, like I said, there's really no right or wrong way to do it. The only way is the most consistent way that you can do it. You can have terrible form, terrible anchor point, terrible thing. If you do everything the same like a machine, you will outshoot somebody that has perfect form, perfect everything that executes 50% of the time. If you have terrible everything, but you do it 90% of the time, you're going to win. You're going to win a lot. Right. Um, you look at a lot of top level pros, some some anchor low, some anchor high. They got weird, everything, but they're consistent in what they do. So whatever your final draw, your position might be, just make it consistent. I shoot a handheld release, so I use my bottom, my index knuckle, it goes underneath my jawline. And my, le- my shoulders are level, you know, my back shoulder isn't up too high, you know, head over spine, and the nose just lightly, the string slightly touches my nose. And I don't dip my head down, it's a personal preference, some people do, but it's very repeatable for me. Under stress, shooting uphill, downhill, you know, you know, cross chest, whatever, however it might be, I can hit that from any angle, you know, that I might encounter in a deer woods, from a tree stand, or you know, shooting uphill, you know, or one of them, you have to shoot pretty much behind you, and you're twisting your body, you, you know, you're a contortionist. I can right. hit those, those, those. Yeah. <laughs> you got hit. British all of a sudden. <laughs> Too much uh, that you've been reading too much Harry Potter and your daughter. Guess, yeah. <laughs> but I can hit that form pretty much on, on you know, cross body, you know. So I'm very consistent in what I do. It might look funny to some people, you know, but I don't think, I think I look cool when I do it. But so you look cool as shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, your full draw, whatever, you use an index. You know, if you're using an index release, you know, you want it to, you know, be however you can repeat it, be it to, the web of your palm there between your thumb and your index finger on your jawline or your thumb knuckle on your ear, you know, or your index finger. Finger? finger? Yeah. That? Words. Yeah. They're hard to do. Between our love line conversation yeah. in our in our words, yeah. people were just like shutting it yeah. off. Like, yeah, delete this one. Yeah. This guy's an idiot. <laughs> but whatever you use in the back end, use it every time in the same spot. You know, index knuckle on the earlobe. That's what mm-hmm. I, I shoot. People to shoot an index yeah. trigger release. I try either. Some people can use their thumb knuckle. You know, some mm-hmm. people use webbing or the index. I prefer the index on the the earlobe as it keeps the hand kind of 
easier for the finger mm-hmm. to wrap around the trigger. Uh, but some people have other minds. Some people use the old thumb on the back of the neck. Some yeah. old timers shoot that way. I've seen a couple I, guys do that. I've got, I can't do it. Yeah, I've got crushed on the 3D course by two old timers that shot that way. I mean, not just beat, like crushed. It's like, wow, your guys' form technically looks horrible, but they were rock solid. They did the same thing, same yeah. movements. Every time they were machines. They had shitty form every time. Yes. Not just sometimes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it, was, <laughs> you know? it wasn't shitty form. It was great form. Right. But they can do it time and time again. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, one of the things I've struggled with, you actually helped me out a lot with last year, was getting my shoulders level. Yeah. Because I had my elbow for the longest time was kind of going sky high on yep. me. And it took me a while to like remember to level out because when I was doing that, it was pulling my shoulder up and I was noticing that I wasn't nearly, I wasn't as consistent as I, as I could be. And so I made a more conscious effort to make sure I was keeping my shoulders level. Um, And then for me, it's funny because every time I shoot, I do get comments just about every time I shoot about my, my string position because you know, a lot of guys, and I used to do this is touch their, Mm -hmm. just their nose to the, the tip of their nose, to the string. I actually now get my, get get it buried actually into like the corner almost of my nose and that's and i know it's probably not the right way and i do dip my head just a little bit right but it's the one place that i can go to that i can find every time without yes. without without a problem and, and that's and that's why i started doing it because i started trying to change it and get into the point to where i could just touch my nose on the string but i was never never able to get my anchor points all consistent every single time it would it was i would have to think about it yes to where it's like if I bury that thing in the corner of my nose, you know, people are like, man, that's, you know, kind of weird you're burying it that far. Doesn't it, like, does it bother you or does it mess up, like, your your string coming off or whatever? And I'm like, I've never had a problem with it. And I shoot way more accurately whenever I use that as my anchor point because I can find that without thinking about it. I got a big nose that's not working for me. So <laughs> you'd be burying that thing back by exactly. your ear. <laughs> I would be shooting the six <laughs> inches to the right, ripping half um, my nose off. But. Right. So speaking of kind of getting it to so the next level of anchor point, right? So it's like keeping all those things consistent. And what one thing I was just kind of mentioning here is the reason I do that that side of the nose kind of bit is because where I have my kisser kind of placed, if I, I can place it all the way back in the corner of my mouth, but I actually place it on the top on the top lip and I yeah. let it kind of lift up a little bit. And then when I do that, it's like I know that I'm in in mm-hmm. the right place. So I guess talk to me a little bit about using a kisser, using using a peep versus using neither of those two things because i've gone to the range and i've seen guys shoot that aren't using a kisser and aren't using a peep and i'm like dude i don't know i mean i'm sure if i did it over and over again i'd figure it out right but i'm like it would feel like i showed up to school naked if i didn't have a kisser and a peep on my bow before we continue our conversation let's talk about wicked tree gear saws hardcore deer hunters need tools that can keep up we don't baby our gear taking on whatever mother nature happens to dish out check out wicked tree gear hand saws and pull saws at wickedtreegear.com use promo code truth to save yourself 20 percent on your next purchase with free ground shipping and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt and how i would set up a, a customer would be i'd have them literally draw the bow back a dozen or two dozen times with their eyes closed yeah you've I'd, done this to me before yeah, yeah. and i'd either take a cell you know great cell phones now take pictures you know and to see where they're anchoring i wouldn't put nothing on their string just a d-loop have them just pull back and i would make adjustments there either you know, tweak their drawing for a little bit to get something that's repeatable for them because uh, some people have if they're overdrawn the they put a kiss button or peep side in it's not necessarily in the right place because they're 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 drawn too far back. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to repeat when there's nothing, everything's too far back on the jawline. Right. You know, so they, their hand, everything's kind of off. So I like to just watch people shoot 
and see because everybody has a natural anchor point. Some anchor high, some anchor low. People shot recurve, either like Olympic style recurve for years. Right. You know, they anchor really low. So there's a lot of different variables coming to play. Bone structure, face structure, you know, injuries. Hey, you got a fat face. Exactly. You have, a, have a different drug. Yeah. You know, it's a, <laughs> and a lot of guys, you know, face pressure could cause a lot of inconsistency. So mm-hmm. I just like to watch people shoot before I make any type of adjustment. Sometimes I let them shoot, you know, 20, 30 times, you know. Right. And I'm like, all right. And if you're going to use a kisser button, I set the kisser button first. I'll keep the peep side out of the belt. Mm-hmm. You know, get the kiss button, corner of your mouth, you know, mouth closed, teeth, you know, touch one another, shoulders level, arrow level. A lot mm-hmm. of people uh, mistake when they shops or wherever the, the target's on the ground. Well, everything has to be level. Arrow mm-hmm. has to be level. Shoulders have to be level. And you can't count on that person necessarily having the best form and being consistent exactly. to where they're like, if you ask them, if you ask them to shoot at a at a site that's on the ground, yeah. you have they would have to have great form, shoulders be level, and then bending at the waist to yeah. take their shot, and then not let their shoulder creep back when they yeah. do that, and all those things that happen naturally or yeah. that you have to fight through repetition yeah. right yeah, so. and you can't count on that person doing that exactly. consistently so right. have everything level uh, to the t not leaning back i mean there's a lot of different things i'll try and speed this up and keep it simple but it's just t form and basic you know the arrow level shoulders level head level over spine you're just slightly turning and we're only shooting you know three yards a lot of people want to shoot distance right now i'm just trying to set your kisser button or people say oh say we'll do the kisser button Set the kiss button first. Have them shoot a little bit. No peep. No peep sight. Get the target kind of set. And here's where I think a lot of people mistake, they, or they, they kind of rush it. They set the peep sight and their kiss button, you know, and then they set their their sights. Well, if not, if it's not set up you know, correctly, you can get some discrepancies. Say you set the kisser button, you know, and you go to put the peep sight in. But you set the site first, you know, and then the peep site don't line up with the site, you know, and then they're doing that little face. They're, they're moving to mm-hmm. accommodate. So I set up, you know, I said, if you want to use a kisser button, kiss a button first, then peep site, you know, or you know, backtrack, kisser button, then site, get a 20 yard pin, get where their, their, their housing is going to be, then set up the peep site. Okay. So this way the peep site is centered on the site housing. Right, you know, you you movable sites a little bit differently, um, but like a fixed pin site, you can do it that way, or even movable site for the most part, you're, you're not getting a lot of movement. Right, but this way, everything's in line. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. You know. The nineteen eleven is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the nineteen eleven was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from nineteen eleven to nineteen eighty five. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You're setting up your you know, kisser peep and then putting the sight on. You know, you're going back 20, 20 30 yards. Now you're kind of trying to adjust well, the face. Now, well, that, you know, or you're trying to decide, do I move the sight or do I move the the peep yes. like which one is the person because yes. it's really the person's perception because that's the part that i always struggle with whenever i'm having a new bow set up it's like because i get set up and i start shooting and i'm looking and it's like and they're like well how's the peep look and i'm like it's a little low but yeah. then i'm thinking to myself i'm like is the peep a little low or is my sight yes. low? right you know what i mean so then it becomes like well which one am i adjusting you know what i mean and before like i said once you get everything kind of somewhat in line 
I'll have once peep sights in, kiss her button set, or kiss her button, no kiss her button. I will have, go back to drawing with her eyes closed a dozen times. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to shoot. I just want them to draw the bow back. Have them, I mean, once they start drawing, close their eyes. Anchor. Open. What is it doing? Or is it low? Or is it high? It's good. It's left or right, whatever. Do that 12 times. If I can get good, you know, you know 10 times in a row, the same thing, I know they're consistently anchored in the same spot, and then we can make adjustments, you know, to the peep that that needs to be, or or kiss her button, however mm-hmm. it might be. Um, but it's very it's very basic. It's not rocket science. Right. This is being about finding the anchor point that's comfortable for that person. There is no perfect string at the corner of the eye. You know, there is no formula mm-hmm. for anything. It's how that person wants to shoot, because you can't make someone shoot differently than the way they've been shooting for twenty years in ten minutes. Right. Muscle memories. You try and accommodate the person to the best that you can in that you know said time. Right. Well, it's just like we were saying earlier, where it's like everyone has their form, right? Yes. And sometimes it's, and I'm air quoting here, you know, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. correct yeah. or or incorrect, right? But it's really what's working for them. So to your point, it's like if that's how they shoot, set the bow up to work the best it possibly can work, yes. or set your bow up for those of you out there listening. Just make sure your bow is being set up to work the best way it can possibly work for the way that you already shoot. Yes, and it's. A lot of guys in pro shops, you need to shoot this way, and they're very rigid and stubborn. A good coach, a good anything. I look at shops. I mean, there should be somebody there. I call them coaches because you're coaching someone into buying the bow. You're setting right. up a bow. You're coaching. The not a salesperson. Yes. Right. And yeah. a lot of guys, they just you have to do it this way, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Like a good mm-hmm. coach, a good mentor is going to work with what they have, you know, ailments, you know, body structure, or how they want to shoot mm-hmm. because somebody's been shooting a bow for 20 years they're not going to overnight just change their setup you're right. going to have to show them this is you know i'm going to help you set up and then you know, guide them down and maybe a different path and it takes a long time to change someone's habits right new shooters are great women got you know, women just learn a lot faster than men hate to say it. oh that's smarter yeah, yeah they, they listen they, they die as a, as a, they might not listen to us but they'll <laughs> listen to a stranger setting them up in a heartbeat because i've had a lot of husbands bring their wives in and they women will listen to me. Right. And the husband's like, I tell you the same thing. And they're like, hey, just just go shopping. And it's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a reason why they live longer. Yeah. <laughs> they're smarter. It's like, they. I've never heard a woman say, hey, watch this, hold my beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's and, like. And some guys are stubborn. As you know, the most men are, they're set in ways and, you, you said most guys are stubborn, as you know. Yes. Flying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Like how you took a nice subtle jab at yeah. me there, but uh, yeah. it, so it's hard to make changes. So you're not going to get change overnight. So work with setting up the bow, how that person shoots now, mm-hmm. you know, and then make a few tweaks or suggest a few things, and right. maybe they come back, whatever. But to shoot at a high level, it requires effort from the shooter, right? Uh, to make changes, and a lot of people are part time hunters slash archers. Right. They pull the bow out in July, so you can't get them to change their mentality, their way of shooting. So the best thing to do is work with what they have, watch them shoot, you know, and then hopefully, you know, it, it works out for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the best you can do is just, as you were kind of saying, like get it set up for them, like in the way they shoot. If they yes. want to make the commitment to make the changes they need to make to become a better archer, yeah. then you adapt their, their exactly. setup as, as they go. The one thing I wanted to ask you or talk to you about a little bit was something it actually, I'll blame you for this. Cause you, <laughs> Add it to the list. Uh, yeah, add it to the list. Um, no, it's not a it's not a blame thing. It's actually a good thing. It was when we were shooting last year uh, before we both left for Montana. 
you had helped me with some things with my form after we shot you because I, you know, I had asked you. It yeah. wasn't like you just did it because that's not most guys who shoot well don't go just coaching guys. You know, it's like un, unrequested. It's disastrous. It <laughs> ends up, yeah, it ends up in a bad, a bad place. But as we were going to shoot, I know that you're a good, uh, a good archer. I know you've won tournaments, and I know you understand, you know, archery in terms of like not just you know gripping and ripping, you know, any type of thing. So I had asked you like, hey, while we shoot this 3D course, just watch me shoot, and if you noticed any things about my form that I can change, you know, that can help me be more consistent. Just let me know once we get through the 3D yes. course, that way I can work on it at the bags, yes. you know? So we got through and you helped me with a couple of different things. You helped me with my release and how I was releasing. Uh, you helped me make sure I was making sure my shoulders were, were flat or, you know, or straight. The other thing you helped me with was actually, I was not extending my elbow far enough. I had too much bend in it. So yes. I was using a lot of muscle to, to manage my bow, which helped me immensely. The other thing that you had suggested to me that I didn't make the change right away is because we started talking a little bit about shooting with one eye versus two eyes open because you would just ask me while I was shooting because you were standing on the opposite side. You were standing on my open eye side and you were asking me, are you shooting with both eyes or, or one eye? And I said, one eye. And I asked why. And you said, well, a lot of times, you know, so for some people, and this again, archery is such a specific like yes. b- by person type thing, right? Where some people shoot better with both eyes open than they do one eye, right? And so this year I was like, hmm, I kind of like to try that in the off season. So once the season got done, I got my new bow, you know, and I was like, and I got, you know, so I changed my entire setup this year, right? Went with a, an obsession bow. I changed to a different trophy ridge site, you know, using the, the single pin. And I was like, I want to try shooting with both eyes open. So I started while the weather was shitty, started shooting in my basement at like 13 to 15 yards, nothing far, just kind of getting used to it. And it has made a world of difference for me. Like I actually reduced my pre-shot anxiety by shooting with both eyes open, which was crazy. I never thought that shooting with both eyes open would make that big of a difference. I thought maybe, I thought maybe technique wise it would make a difference, but it wasn't that at all. It was actually mental Mm. is what is where it made the difference. So I wanted to talk a little bit, or you just to kind of talk a little bit about shooting with one eye versus two eyes open. Like how can, how is sometimes one more effective than the other, I guess? Me, I used to be a two-eye shooter um, for years. And I had an injury at work where I scratched my right eye. Mm-hmm. So my left eye is technically stronger, mm-hmm. even with glasses. Because I just got, you know, there's this residue in my right eye. So now I'm a one-eye shooter. Mm-hmm. And it has this pluses and minuses. But mm-hmm. with two eyes, I can watch more of the target. Mm-hmm. Um it was it, it was natural to me to shoot with both eyes open, mm-hmm. and I shot really well with it. And when this accident first happened, I didn't shoot that well because I tried shooting with two eyes, and my left eye would take over. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of find out I needed glasses, so I got glasses, uh, and that helps out. They look good too. Uh, so you, you don't look like old. You don't look old at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> this is forty, by the way. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it really comes down to personal preference. Right. Some guys can shoot. You know, you'll see guys in the range sometimes they'll have like the little uh, hood clip coming down mm-hmm. and it takes, makes them focus more. Right. So it's really just a matter of trying it and applying it and for longer than a day or two. You know, some people can pick it up like this isn't for me, but mm-hmm. you know, give it a try. You know, some people might do better with shooting with two eyes versus one eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I was forced to shoot with one eye and it does limit some things. Right. Um it took a while to get used to. Right. That's for sure. I think what I liked about it was, so to me, and this is just as, just from my own experience is that 
I would think it would be really challenging if you had one eye that was super, super dominant. I think it would be hard. Like for me, it doesn't feel like I have one eye that's more dominant than the other. Cause in theory, you would think if I were, if I were shooting with two eyes and went from one eye to two eyes, cause I went, from, I was using a five pin sight prior to this single pin. And so I was curious to see if I'm shooting with my right eye open, right? And I'm on target. When I open my left eye, I should naturally start shooting to the left, right? Because now I'm opening up that field of vision. Like it should, it should be off. Not if right? you're do- right eye dominant. Right. Okay. If you're, you know, it, and eye, eye dominance plays a lot too because. Well, that would make sense then because I really didn't have to move my sight much at all. Yes, that means you're good. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's guys that are left eye dominant that shoot right eye. They're they're forced to shoot with their left eye closed or an eye patch. Right. Because it. Pirate. Yeah, pretty pirate much. Pirate archery. I mean, I've I've had. I've had to use patches on, you know, young kids before because their parents, they're better off learning to shoot left-handed, mm-hmm. but the parents are like, you're a righty. I do everything right. He's going to do everything right. That's, All right, dad, mom, let's right. make it a lot harder than it needs to be. Right. If you're left eye dominant, I'd learn to try to shoot left-handed. be a way easier, way simpler. Right. But guys have been doing it 20, 30 years. It could be a challenge that most people don't want to partake. Right. I mean, I had shoulder problems. I tried shooting left-handed and it was like, this is going to suck. Right. Because. Well, you've been shooting a long time, so it yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. And muscle memory. Like, I can't even throw a ball left-handed. I look like I'm having a seizure or something. Yeah, you know, dude, It's terrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to write left-handed. I'm like, what am I, four? Like, it's just it's right. bad. But yeah. there are some guys, that if you want to continue shooting, you know, sometimes you got to <laughs> right. switch it up. But if you're left-eye dominant, then shoot left-handed, in my opinion, working with people. Right. Um, if you're a new archer, right. learn how to shoot left-handed. Right. But, how do you figure out how they what eye dominant are they, or they are rather? Uh, I just, for the most part, make the you know the the yeah. triangle out front. Yeah. Both eyes open, close one, and then close the other. Right. Like if I close, like I I do that. And I'm looking. I'm centering your deer head. Mm-hmm. Close left eye. Deer head still center. I close my right eye. I can't see the deer head. Right. So for people out there listening, you basically take your hands, arms out in front of you, directly out in front of you, make a triangle with your index finger and your thumbs coming together and then pick a, a focal point out. Yep. And so in this case, I'm looking at my Euro mount. I close my right eye. That Euro mount stays in the same spot it is when I have both eyes open. I close my right eye and now the Euro mount has moved or my triangle has now moved to the right and cut off part of the Euro yes. mount. Tells me that I'm right eye dominant. Yes. So it's interesting because when I shoot with both eyes um, and we'll go to the, we're, we're going to the range today to shoot. So you'll see this, but it's like, I'll, out to like 30, 40 yards. Like I'm deadly with both eyes open. I get past 40 yards and my depth perception of seeing that, that pin mm-hmm. clear enough becomes challenging. Right. So sometimes, sometimes I'll actually change when I get out to 15, 60 yards, I'll then go back to shooting with one eye. And that's just you know probably I mean? a muscle memory kicking up because you're just starting this new double eye shooting in, in your basement with lighting and stuff like that right. so and and lighting has a lot to do with what you can see like how you can see pins like indoor like the place i can't shoot indoor archery like yeah. i mean i do here at my house like because it's 15 yards but the reason i got a membership at that yeah. archery club yeah. is because i was only going to indoor ranges yeah. and i couldn't shoot for shit in yeah. an indoor range I have the club i belong to it's like the lights are like right above your head like i have to shoot either from i can't shoot anybody else there because i can't shoot on the line because the way the lights are set up i can't it puts a halo on the pin, mm-hmm. you know, and like I got to wear you know, a hat all crooked how I don't normally shoot. So it's not really enjoyable right. for me to shoot indoors. I'd have to really change my whole setup to shoot indoors, which right. I'm not really not into doing that. that right now. Yeah. Even though I probably should, but 
So the next thing I want to talk about a little bit, and this is the last piece for this part two in, in talking about technique. So I want to talk about the different types of, of releases and the, and the pros and cons. So, you know, I think most people often start out with the, the wrist rocket yes. finger, you know, finger, type of deal. Finger poppers. Yeah. Um, and then slowly graduate to, you know, some type of back tension or hinge yes. or something, something of that effect. So just, I guess, run through the, the pros and the cons of each. Because you and I have talked a little bit about me making a change. And today, yes. I actually, when we got together, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to change this year. Because I was planning to change to some type of hinge release yes. or a back tension release. And I'm shooting this new bow so well right now that I'm like, am I changing just because I want to shoot a back tension release? Or am I changing because I think it's going to fundamentally help yes. me do something better than I'm currently doing it? And that's sometimes hard for an archer to ask that question, right? Because it's like... Do you just want to or pull man. 70 pounds because yeah. you want to pull 70 pounds like your buddy? Or do you want to pull 70 pounds because you legitimately need to pull 70 yeah. pounds for something? And, yeah. and that's what it was for me with that back tension release. It's like, do I really need it? Or am I doing it because I just feel like I should, because I'm a good enough archer now that yeah. I should shoot some type of back yeah. tension release? Well, the, to not to sway your listeners, but a back tension, there is no such thing as a back tension release. Right. It's a method of activating a release. Yeah. Uh, index finger thumb, hinge, spike, tension, activated release. Back tension is just a method of contracting your back muscles while you're slowly kind of like pulling back. So you can use that for any release. Like your your release you have And you here. taught me a methodology to yes. use whenever I'm shooting with that one to give to make sure I'm getting the right amount of back tension yes. in, in, in my arm going back and following yes. through to make sure my yes. form is all together. Yeah, and yeah. so like I said, basically people start out with an index for the most part. The average consumer slash archer in this era, you know, I come from finger drawing era. There was no release errors. You know, there was like one release company out when I started shooting so long ago. So I learned how to shoot with fingers. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. and then I got, you know, the, like I said, the wrist strap allows you to pull more weight, etc. But you have, so you have an index finger release and then you got, you know, your T handle release, thumb, you know, a lot of thumb activated or a hinge or a spike release, which is no moving parts, which is what I shoot. And uh, then you have tension activated releases that break under pre-described set of uh, amount of tension that you set in the release. So say a tension, act tension activated release, your holding weight is 12 pounds. You set the release to break at 15 or 16. You know, it won't break until, until it reaches that pound. Yeah. Right. Um, that's a good way to learn, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a back tension style of a method of shooting. I was self-taught in the beginning. <laughs> I was an index uh, trigger release guy. As I started shooting more and more 3Ds, I developed target panic, like really bad. And target panic, I mean, encompass everything. You know, you know hanging the, the pin hanging up, you know, the pin not on the target, or you know, finger popping, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So I bought a hinge, a safety hinge, to teach myself how to shoot, quote-unquote, properly. Well, that was disastrous because <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was reading like self, self, self-taught. So it was it was a long struggle. But get back to the releases here. I got a coach, and he showed me how to activate an index figure trigger release with back tension, hooking the release deep in your index, and just letting the release go and just pulling. You mm -hmm. know, pull until it broke. And some releases are better. Right. Then others for that, they're a crisper trigger. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to a hinge, uh, a thumb, and every 
release in between and I settled on a spike release. But it is basically, you know, you got your index trigger releases, all brand shapes and sizes, cost. Uh, the more you know you spend, the better quality release you're going to get. Um, then you got your thumb barrel releases. You activate it with your thumb, and there's some old school ones you operate with your pinky. Uh, it's showing my age a little bit, but pinky fingers like you're yeah. uh, like you're an Italian mobster <laughs> yeah. over here or something. Yeah, and then you got your hinges, you know, and they've come a long way in these last couple of years, um, but still basic principle. And then you got your spike releases. So it's all personal preference. There's guys that win, you know, top level tournaments with index trigger release. There's guys that win with hinges. There's guys that win thumb with spike. So it's really finding what you're comfortable and what we were talking about earlier, being repeatable for you. Right. Um, a lot of guys think going to a back tension style method of shooting with an index or hinge is going to make them a better shooter if the bow's set up properly. Right. If your bow's not set up draw length, it's set up good. You, you have all a, your anchor points right. Yeah, you right. go to a hinge, it could be disastrous. Or you go to a thumb and you try to activate it, you know, you'll pull them through, it can be disastrous. You know, Going to a back tension method style of shooting, your bow needs to be set up almost perfect. You're really close to perfect and make adjustments as, as needed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys are overdrawn. And the key to back tension is most people are pulling back so far that they're compressing their rhomboids and all them back muscles. There is nowhere to go. So they start using this arm method, trying right. to activate it. That's not really back tension. You're still just... You're just using, pulling it through. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the shoot, you know, index with back tension and a, a spike release or hinge, your drawing's got to be pretty much spot on. It may, right. Well, it makes it shooting a, a lot more comfortable. Right. You know, because right. you don't want to draw too much, then your muscles are getting tired. You know, right. so there's... There's a lot of variables come into play, and a lot of people try to flip between the index and uh, a thumb and a hinge. Very few people can do that effectively and and pick up good habits. Right. You know, a lot of guys. I, I see it on the range all the time. One day the guy's got an index, you know, high end Carter trigger right. release. Next time he's got a thumb, he's got a stand thumb, or and then he's got a hinge, and it's like just constantly changing. It's like you got to stick with one thing it's a it's a long slow process sometimes right of, of being consistent yeah and yeah. a new release is going to make a better shooter right well i think uh think i think since you dropped the big word rhomboids on yeah. uh, on us on us here it's like getting all medical yeah. like over here this this guy he's gonna yeah. break down some biology or some muscle structure That's the only word i really know That's yeah muscle actually it was on his word of the day toilet paper mm-hmm. so um but with that i think we wrap up our part two of of, of technique thanks for joining brother yeah man no problem All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. We'd like to thank Greg for joining. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram if you're not already. He's always kind of giving tips, uh, archery tips, and also just in general uh, scouting tips as well. He does a a great job uh, capturing some video of the uh, scouts, and he's scouting a lot of buck beds and stuff like that. So a lot to kind of pick up on there if you follow him on Instagram. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, uh, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure... While you're there to subscribe to the podcast, we'd be super appreciative if you'd uh, help us out with those two things. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, and Trophy Taker Rests. And until next time, we'll see y'all. If it's all
gang the new truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on youtube below any of the truth from the stand videos i've got some new hats beanies t-shirts long sleeve t-shirts and sweatshirts there's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity so head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code truth t-r-u-t-h and save yourself some cash on the new gear